Back up top, shot through traffic, save made, follow-up try, that one hits a body in front, and a score! It's a score! It's a score! And the Ice Bears have a 4-3 lead with 30 seconds remaining in the hockey game! Oh, what a hit! Welcome to the SPHL in Knoxville! Comes in on the right side, through the right circle, taking it and fed across, they score! Welcome to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast presented by Field Pass Hockey, fieldpasshockey.com. They have you covered when it comes to the SPHL, the ECHL, the AHL. It is all there for you from live game broadcasts to photo galleries, blogs, and more. Fieldpasshockey.com has you covered with your minor league hockey information. Also, check out the Field Pass Hockey mobile app on the App Store or on Google Play. A wild weekend for Knoxville that was not short of being eventful. And now we are approaching the, well, not approaching, we're here. It's the final week of the regular season. So appreciate you being a part of the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on Spotify. So like the podcast, subscribe, follow, whatever method you use. Be sure to check out the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. Hit that five-star rating, the like button, whatever it is. Make sure to tell somebody you know about the KIB Podcast. So Knoxville gets a split over the weekend, and the Ice Bears still sit in first place in the SPHL standings. We'll break down those games. Also, it is award season, or pretty close to it, but ballots are due this week. And as a member of the Knoxville Ice Bears broadcast team, I am given a ballot, so I am going to give you the answers to my ballot on what I thought about the course of the season. So that'll be coming up in the second half of the podcast. But looking at the Ice Bears trip to Roanoke, Knoxville has two games remaining in the season. The Ice Bears, a little bit of an eventful ending on Friday. Knoxville took a lead in the first period. They scored early, were up one to nothing, gave up three goals in the second, really got dominated as far as play was concerned, just with possession of the puck and shots on goal. Really in both games, Friday and Saturday, the second period was not good for Knoxville. The difference between Friday and Saturday really was that they got off to a better start on Saturday and they were able to weather the storm in the third period for that second game. But on Friday, Knoxville gave up three goals in the second period alone, um, including two that really should not have happened. One came early on a five-on-three. There wasn't much that could be done about that one, but the first goal, a one-timer on the left side, setting up the five-on-three for Mac Jansen. The second goal a rebound that just came out in front, bounced in and out of the glove of Christian Stead, and Mac Jansen came in and got his second goal of the night. And then Garrett Sargis, the former Ice Bear, finished off a rush after Travis Broman managed to finagle his way through two skaters and then slip a pass kind of as he was off balance over to Sargis. And and so you can make the argument that the two goals shouldn't have happened. Knoxville didn't play their best hockey on Friday. Jeff Carr's kind of acknowledged that that they needed things to be better. And then obviously the ending. Knoxville appeared to have scored a game-tying goal with 2.9 seconds left to go in regulation. Sean Hoppy, the referee, waved the goal off. His explanation to Jeff Carr, Knoxville's head coach, was that the net had been dislodged, which this is not an opinion. This is not a, a matter of subjectivity. This is not a matter of a gray area. The net did not become dislodged. And according to the SPHL rulebook, while the goal was lifted, it never became detached from its pegs. It never became separated from the pegs. The pegs never became dislodged from their moorings. Uh, those pegs stayed connected to the net 
despite the fact that the goal frame did rock, there was movement. But in that situation, if there is no separation between the pegs and the ice and the pegs and the goalposts, then the net is deemed to be in position. So Andrew Balance would have been tying goal, should have counted. Uh, it did not. And obviously there's not going to be much more of an explanation from Sean Hoppy, the referee, or from the league about that situation. It's an unfortunate ending for Knoxville. And it, the Ice Bears were able to bounce back on Saturday, however, after that 3-2 to two loss against Roanoke and came out strong, got off to a fast start, scored a couple of goals in the first period, Opened up a 3-0 lead before giving two quick goals back to Roanoke. So it was 3-2 going into the third period. But Knoxville scored three unanswered goals to make it a 6-2 game. Roanoke scored two late goals again to make it somewhat interesting. Got into a situation where they were able to pull Sammy Bernard out of net. And, and so now Roanoke's out there skating 6-on-5 and trying to get something going in the final minute. Stepan Timofeyev scored an empty net goal. And that put the kibosh on Roanoke's comeback attempt. So Knoxville never trailed on Saturday. Uh, they got the 7-4 win. And then combined with Huntsville getting swept in two games over the weekend by Fayetteville. And then with Peoria losing to Quad City on Sunday. Knoxville remains in first place. And arguably in a slightly better position than it was when it exited the weekend. Because... Peoria did not gain anything on Knoxville as far as points are concerned. Huntsville actually dropped back two points farther down than Knoxville. And, and so here's the thing. If Knoxville theoretically had lost that game on Friday in overtime and that goal had counted from Andrew Ballant, Knoxville would already have clinched first place in the SPHL standings. It hasn't, but the Ice Bears do have two opportunities against Evansville this weekend to do that. The magic number for Knoxville is one. If the Ice Bears get one point, a win, an overtime loss, two wins, two overtime losses, whatever. If it gets one point in the standings, the Ice Bears are the regular season champions for the first time since 2009. If Peoria drops a game this weekend, if Huntsville drops a game this weekend, then Knoxville will remain ahead of either of those teams. Peoria being three points back with two games to play. Peoria, obviously, a sweep combined with the Ice Bears getting swept would mean that Peoria would simply leapfrog Knoxville with 85 points to Knoxville's 84. If Huntsville wins out and Knoxville loses out, then Huntsville will also have a head-to-head -head tiebreaker over the Ice Bears due to the overall number of wins uh, because that would give Huntsville 41 wins with Knoxville having only 40 despite the fact that they would have 84 points each overall on the season. So the easiest way for Knoxville to take care of the regular season championship, the William B. Coffee Trophy, and the number one seed and home ice advantage throughout the postseason would be just get a game to overtime or simply win. One of those two outcomes in either game against the Thunderbolts this weekend and the Ice Bears are the regular season champions for the first time in 13 years. Also, Knoxville picked up its 40th win of the season against Roanoke on Saturday. That ties an SPHL record. Peoria had 40 wins in the 2019 season. Peoria also had more overtime losses. So uh, Knoxville is not in line to have the best overall point total in a single season. That was 89 set by that Riverman team. Uh, Knoxville right now, their highest number that they can reach is 88. So they'd be a point off, but still more overall wins if they pick up a win this weekend. Obviously, a sweep would guarantee that Knoxville would have uh, more wins than anybody since Huntsville can still technically get to 41 wins 
on the year, but the Ice Bears becoming just the second team in SPHL history to have 40 wins in a single regular season. And so the Ice Bears uh, in in very good position. They, they've set themselves up to have an opportunity to control their own destiny for the number one seed going into the postseason. And that's ultimately where you want to be. Obviously, Knoxville's not out of the woods. Knoxville and Evansville have played twice this season. Both games have been competitive. The first matchup back in November was tied going into the third period. The second matchup, Evansville led after the first period. Knoxville rallied, came away with a 4-1 to win. But ultimately, Evansville is not a team that should be taken lightly. And the, the two teams haven't played since January. So there's really nothing to look at that would suggest, oh, Knoxville matches up well against Evansville for this. These two teams really haven't played just twice all season. And for Evansville, they've overhauled their roster so much since the last time these two teams have met. And that happens across the league because of the college season ending. The Division Three National Championship was played last week. You've got the Frozen Four happening now. And so for Knoxville and Evansville, they really haven't seen each other a whole lot. But Evansville has overhauled its roster quite a bit. And of course, they've got talented players, Brian Billett, Austin Plevy. Knoxville fans know those two names really well. And so certainly don't want to count out Evansville. But for Knoxville, you go and you can scrap out a win. You get a game to overtime. You're the regular season champ. Also, if Peoria and Huntsville both lose a game this weekend, that helps you out as well. So more options are on the table for the Ice Bears. Peoria and Huntsville both need things to really go their way if either one of them is going to take the number one seed from the Ice Bears. So a great weekend overall when you consider how the results played out. And Friday's game, obviously just a tragedy in the sense of how that was how that was played out. It was just simply a wrong call by Sean Hoppy, and there's nothing that can be done about it now. But Knoxville controlled what it can control on Saturday and essentially tried to make that call irrelevant. And it'll have an opportunity to do that because even with the win for Roanoke, the rail yard dogs are still likely looking at the number eight seed. And so if Knoxville goes out and takes care of business this weekend, then that controversial call really doesn't change anything over the landscape of the entire season. Now, Knoxville and Roanoke likely to face off against each other in the first round of the playoffs, assuming Knoxville does get that top seed. Evansville, they get to play Vermilion County upcoming this Thursday. If Evansville wins, it's not possible for Roanoke to overtake the Thunderbolts for the seven seed. So Roanoke is likely sitting in that eight seed. Roanoke would also have to sweep Fayetteville uh, in order to pass Evansville this upcoming weekend. So Evansville with a two-point lead and a game in hand over the rail yard dogs. Pensacola is locked in as the six seed. It can't move up to five. It can't drop down to seven. Quad City is locked in at the five seed. It cannot move up to four. It can't drop down to six. So those are the only two spots that are mathematically locked in is Quad City as the five seed, Pensacola as the six seed. And Pensacola, by the way, has played some really good hockey lately. Quad City has to be very confident after getting that win at Peoria on Sunday. That's the sixth time that the Storm have beaten the Rivermen this season. Fayetteville right now sits in fourth place, and they could potentially move up to that three spot. Mathematically, they could still get to the two seed. They would need a lot of things to go their way. But if Fayetteville is able to sweep Roanoke this week and Huntsville drops a game to Birmingham, then you would potentially have a tiebreaker situation. But Fayetteville, only two points behind Huntsville. The Marksmen have points in nine of their last 10. They're eight, one, and one in that span. They've won three straight, including that sweep over Huntsville. 
If they sweep Roanoke this weekend and Huntsville drops a game against Birmingham, there's the possibility that Fayetteville could work its way into a top three spot. Fayetteville has at this point clinched home ice advantage for that 4-5 matchup. So if Fayetteville is unable to overtake Huntsville this weekend, then the Marksmen will face Quad City at Crown Coliseum to start off the postseason. Um, obviously, that's with the Marksmen having home ice advantage. There will be a game played at the Tax Slayer Center uh, between whichever series Quad City is a part of. But as it stands right now, Knoxville in first place with a three-point lead and two games to go. Peoria back with 81 points. Huntsville with 80. Fayetteville with 78. Quad City locked in at the fifth spot. Pensacola at the sixth spot. Evansville with a two-point lead and a game in hand over Roanoke for the seventh spot. The Rail Yard Dogs sitting in eighth. And again, I will remind everybody about the history of this league. Yes, Knoxville has had a very good record against Roanoke. The possibility that those two teams play in the first round is likely. It has been difficult for Knoxville to win at the Berglund Center and even at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum. Knoxville's undefeated against Roanoke. The Rail Yard Dogs have not made it easy. And Roanoke is no stranger to playing spoiler. The last team to win 40 games in a season, Peoria, in 2019. That team was swept by Roanoke in the first round. So keep in mind, any given playoff series, it's going to be tough. And for Knoxville, I, I think they are going to be on high alert if they do indeed end up facing the Rail Yard Dogs in the first round of the President's Cup playoffs. The all-SPHL teams are being voted on this week. The results will be in during the postseason over time later on this month. I'm going to share with you my ballot coming up on the other side as the Ice Bears split with the Rail Yard Dogs over the weekend, and the Ice Bears still sit in first place with two games remaining in the regular season. So the all-SPHL ballot from me coming up next right here on the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast presented by Field Pass Hockey. In the slot, looking, shot, scores! Whoa, yes, an overtime game winner gives Knoxville a 3-2 win on the road. This presentation of Knoxville Ice Bears hockey can also be heard while you're on the go via the Field Pass Hockey app. Read articles on your favorite team, view photo galleries, listen to live games and podcasts from across the AHL, ECHL, and SPHL by downloading the app, now available in the Google Play and Apple app stores. Okay, so the all SPHL ballots were emailed out to everybody Monday morning from Doug Price. The way that this works is each head coach places a ballot, and this includes votes for most valuable player, rookie of the year, coach of the year, an all SPHL first team, an all SPHL second team, and an all rookie team. Each team gets two representatives to vote on this ballot. So one is the head coach. The head coach then designates a second member of the organization, uh, which can include the team broadcaster, an assistant coach, or a beat reporter from another media outlet. So it does not necessarily have to be an employee of the franchise. Um, in this case, Jeff Carr designated me. So here we are with the SPHL ballot. And I will give this disclaimer before anybody that may not be aware starts to jump to conclusions. As an employee of the Knoxville Ice Bears, I am not allowed to vote for Ice Bears players or coaches on this ballot. Again, I am not allowed to vote for Ice Bears players on this ballot. So when I go through this ballot and you don't hear any Ice Bears players named on it, that's why. It, it, it has nothing to do, obviously. And I'm also going to give my opinion on where I think the potential could be for Ice Bears players to land on this list. So we'll, we'll see how it all plays out later on this month. Uh, but here we go. So with the all-SPHL first team, we'll start there. 
You get three forwards, two defensemen, a goalie, so one lineup for each team. Uh, my first team ballot includes for forwards Alec Hageman and Alec Bear from Peoria. Say what you will about those guys. Uh, I know a lot of people do not like Alec Hageman in this league. Um, he's been really essential and a big part of what Peoria has done this year, what they've been able to accomplish. But for him individually, he's had a heck of a season. He's second in the league with 66 points. And the thing is, he's done it in only 45 games. So while it's been impressive to see what several Peoria and Huntsville skaters, what Anthony McVeigh, for example, Mac Jansen, Shane Bennett, a lot of really good players in this league that have had great offensive seasons. It's been really impressive to see what Hageman's been able to do with just 45 games played this year. Uh, the third forward on my first team ballot is Jacob Barber for Huntsville, uh, mainly because of his ability to score very timely goals. So he's not in the top three in points. He's got 27 goals on the season. That's not in the top three for goals. But when I look at what Barber has meant to Huntsville, and I know he doesn't even lead his team in points, but it has been really impressive to see how his acquisition to Huntsville this season has meant so much to that franchise. So I, I think Jacob Barber is probably one of the best offseason acquisitions of the year. So I've, I've got him on my first team ballot because I do think he's a first team forward. Uh, the defenseman, I have Matt O'Day from Roanoke, um, one of the highest goal scoring defensemen in the league. Also a solid plus minus. He's missed some time this year, but I still think he's put together enough resume that I think he deserves to be on my first team ballot. Joe Sova of Quad City uh, is the other defenseman. He's been really, really good. Piles up a lot of assists, so he contributes offensively as well. Uh, so Joe Sova from Quad City, Matt O'Day from Roanoke is uh, are my votes for the two defensemen. And the way that defenseman of the year and goaltender of the year are going to be awarded is it's going to be based on first and second team voting. So you do not place a specific vote for which goalie or defenseman you think should be your defenseman of the year. Now for goalies, it will be pretty straightforward because it'll be your first team ballot. But I have Hunter Vorva as the best goalie in the league this year. Um, and I think for what he's done from a number standpoint, and the way that he's had to elevate his game to continue to be solid with Max Milosic being called up for such a significant period of time this year. Because keep in mind, Vorva started the season as the backup in Huntsville. And he has continued to put up really good numbers. He's come up with some big wins for the Havoc. So I have Hunter Vorva as my first team goalie. Moving over to the second team now, Eric Levine from Peoria is my second team goalie. He's got more wins. He's got more games. The reason that I don't have him on my first team ballot is is just from a number standpoint. I think Vorva has been more solid even in fewer games. Uh, and the, keep in mind that there are certain game requirements that players need to reach. It's 35 games played for a skater, 20 games played for a goalie, um, and that's going to be significant. I'll explain why coming up in a little bit when we get to the all-rookie selection. Um, so Eric Levine is my second team goalie selection for the defenseman. It's Dylan Carabia from Pensacola and Donald Oliveri from Fayetteville. And here's the thing, Fayetteville is tied, or, or Donald Oliveri from Fayetteville is tied with Jason Price as the highest scoring defenseman in the league. The reason that Donald, Donald Oliveri is a second team selection for me is because too often he has made really ill-advised penalties, and in some cases it has cost his team games, including one against Knoxville back in November. And so for Oliveri, you know, he's going to be that fiery guy that's going to get teams going. And Fayetteville has such a good goaltending tandem that it allows Oliveri to contribute in the offense more. He's really important for what they do on special teams, especially on the power play. But the amount of penalty minutes, it's its one thing to be a fighter, but the number of times I have seen Oliveri take an unwise penalty this season is the reason that I'm kind of bumping him off that all SPHL first team line. 
and putting him on that second team. Um, and, and here's the thing. Theoretically, I should be thankful because he handed Knoxville a win uh, the first time these two teams met back in November by slew footing Stefan Brucato. But I, I just think from a, uh, I guess from a, uh, what I would think would be either a coaching standpoint or just an overall hockey standpoint, I think Sova and O'Day have done more for their teams this year than what Oliveri has done for Fayetteville. Uh, so for my forwards on the second team, Cy Nutkovich from Huntsville, that, that guy's been fantastic. And at the beginning of the season, he was on a two-point-per-game streak. If he had been able to cut uh, to keep that up, we'd be talking about Kevin Swider numbers here. And I, I really thought it was either going to be Nutkovich or Hageman that were going to run away with the Swider Award this season. Uh, instead, both those guys are tied for second, 11 points behind Alec Bear, who is all it's it's almost guaranteed he is going to win the Kevin Swider leading scorer award this season. Matt Jansen from Roanoke, I think that guy has been fantastic. Um, two big goals uh, against Knoxville in their win on Friday, and another goal in their game on Saturday. So he he's been a really solid player. He really has been Roanoke's offense, and at times I think teams have been able to key on him, key in on, on him, and prevent him from being able to do a little bit more, but. I think he's elevated the play of the rest of his team as well. I think Jansen's a big reason that guys like Jeff Jones um, are having and CJ Stubbs are having big years. And it's been it's a talented Roanoke team, despite the fact that they're in eighth place. And they did not have a great February and March, but they've won five of their last six games now. And Jansen's a big part of that. Marcel Godbout from Peoria is my last selection to the second team. He leads all rookies with 60 points, which is also fourth in the league. Overall, he also leads the SPHL with 32 goals this season. Um, so uh, the SPHL's winner of what I guess would be the uh, Rocket Richard Trophy. Obviously, we don't give out an award for the player that leads in goals scored, but uh, you know, felt like I had to include the player that leads the league in goals on the ballot. And I know it's a lot of Huntsville and Peoria on the first and second team, which if you're an Ice Bears fan listening to this podcast, probably doesn't make you very happy. But I, I do think it's important to try to give this ballot as fairly as I can. And again, I think there are Knoxville players that are going to get a lot of consideration on both of these teams and for all these awards. But I'm also not allowed to vote for Knoxville players myself. So the fact that they're not on my ballot doesn't mean that they're not going to be on somebody else's. So, uh, you know, Peoria and Huntsville representatives, they're, they have to put somebody on their ballot. So uh, and so it kind of expect to see Knoxville get some consideration for uh, different awards throughout the year. Uh, moving on to the all-rookie team. So for goalie, it's Brent Moran from Fayetteville, and the reason why is because he is actually the only eligible player that I am allowed to vote for. Uh, again, I mentioned you need to, well, uh, there's a couple of options, but you are only allowed to vote for players that are not on the team that you cover. And again, the go- the games played requirement for goalies is 20. Well, only four rookie goalies have played that many games, and it's it's to me it's really a two horse race between Christian Stead and Brent Moran. I obviously can't vote for Stead. Um, Stead leads all rookies, all eligible rookies in goals against average. Moran has a higher save percentage. Stead has more wins, um, so I think it's going to be neck and neck. Um, and then you've got Cody, excuse me, you got Sean Coon and Ben Churchfield. Um, who have had Kuhn has actually had a really nice second half to the season, but I don't think his numbers are going to compare to what Stead and Moran have done. Um, it's especially been impressive by Moran because he really wasn't acquired until the second half of the season. And then uh, Churchfield, just a, a tough year in Vermilion County for the rookie. So I, I think it's going to come down to Moran and Stead. Bailey Birkin obviously had a great rookie campaign. Cody Karpinski as well. 
uh, Bailey Birkin for Quad City, Karpinski for Pensacola. Neither of those goalies played 20 games this year. So that is why I, I think it's going to ultimately come down to between Stead and Moran. Uh, Dylan Caravia was my uh, all-SPHL second-team defenseman, so I've got him on the rookie team as well. Zach Wilkie from Peoria is also on there. And then Marcel Godbout from Peoria, obviously. If I've got him on the all-second team, I've got him on the rookie team. And then Taylor Best and Marcus Russell for Fayetteville and Pensacola, respectively. Uh, Marcus Russell's been really important for Pensacola in their offense this season. Um, a really great player who's had a great offensive campaign. And Taylor Best, I, I think, has really shined in a fewer number of games. And I really like the way that he plays. I think he works really well with Taylor McCloy at Fayetteville. I, I like Fayetteville's offense a lot. And for Taylor Best, if he had played more games, I think his numbers would be bigger. Uh, so I do actually have him on there, despite the fact that he only played 40 games this season. Uh, so that takes us to uh, the three big awards that are voted on, the MVP, the Rookie of the Year, the Coach of the Year. Um, I think Alec Bear is the MVP, obviously the leading scorer, but the fact that he's had such big games lately for Peoria. I mean, he had two five-point games in the month of March alone. Uh, he's had, gosh, I can't even tell you how many hat tricks he's had. I, I'm pretty sure it's been more than one because he had one to close out the month of March. The Rookie of the Year, Marcel Godbout, lead, led the league in goals, leads all rookies in scoring. I, I think he's been fantastic. I'm sure he's going to get a ton of consideration. And then the coach of the year, uh, I have Corey Melkert from Fayetteville. Um, I think Corey's done a really nice job with what he's done in Fayetteville this season. Fayetteville, I, I realize that they're in fourth place. They look like a very formidable team going into the postseason. Um, and, and really, I think you've got four teams that have kind of separated themselves from the rest of the pack as far as the playoffs are concerned. And, it, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if we got chalk the first round of the playoffs um it normally doesn't happen we normally see some upsets but i really do think that these four teams the resumes that they've put together throughout the course of the season have really separated themselves from teams five through eight as far as the playoff seating is concerned and i say that realizing i, I think really highly of all these teams because we've seen how good these teams can be on a given night and when you're only playing a best of three series it can be really dangerous quad city has a ton of skill on their team, and their goaltending is really solid. Pensacola, they're playing really good hockey right now. Evansville, everybody in Knoxville knows how good Brian Billet, Austin Plevy, the young talent that they brought in, they have guys that are capable of taking over games. And then Roanoke does not go down without a fight. They're an incredibly scrappy team. And again, no stranger to upsetting a number one seed in the first round of the playoffs before. But I like what Corey Melkert has done uh, in Fayetteville this season. I think it's a job well done by him. As far as Knoxville consideration, I think you can expect to see that Anthony McVeigh is probably going to get some love uh, from around the league as a potential first-team selection. If not, then maybe a second-team selection. But as far as the All-SPHL team, I would expect McVeigh to be involved there. Uh, Balsamo, you know, the thing working against him is he only played in 44 games this year because he didn't start the season with Knoxville. He had a midseason call-up, and then he had a three-game suspension so his point per game totals are really solid, and he's one of the league's leading goal scorers. So it wouldn't surprise me to see him get some votes, uh, but I, I think what he has working against him is the fact that he, he's only played in 44 games. Rasmus Wax and Engback and Stepan Timofeyev have been great through the month of March. Um, again, it, it might be a matter of numbers, but those would be the four guys from Knoxville as far as skaters that I would expect to see some consideration as far as forwards are concerned. Jason Price, I think, has a really good shot to win Defenseman of the Year. and. It wouldn't surprise me if he does. He's second in the league right now with 43 points, but his plus minus is 43. He's got 32 assists on the year. Uh, he's one of only three defensemen to reach the 10-goal mark. He got his 11th 
over the weekend. Um, and yeah, that plus minus, it's 43 and nobody else is even close. Stays out of the box for the most part. He's been really solid on the power play. You know, excels in the defensive aspects of the game also. I, I think Jason really has a good shot at 37 years old to win Defenseman of the Year for the first time in his career. He's been nominated for the award in the past, uh, so he has been a runner-up. I, I really do think that he could find himself atop the the uh, the lead there, so I think he could be an all-SPHL selection. I think he should be an all-SPHL first-team selection, and personally, I think he should win Defenseman of the Year. I think Jeff Carr's got a shot to win Coach of the Year. He just tied an SPHL record with 40 wins. If he gets one more this week, he's going to break that record. Uh, could potentially have Knoxville as the number one seed and the William B. Coffey Trophy winner for the first time since 2009. He set a franchise record for wins already. I, I think Jeff has a really good chance to win that award, and he's done a great job handling this team and the roster as the season has gone on. And then for the all-rookie team, I think Christian Stead has a chance to be that all-rookie goaltender. Wouldn't surprise me if he gets it. Um, and, you know, just because he's had such a great, consistent season, a lot of other broadcasters have thought really highly of him. And, you know, I've had people say, oh, man, I really hope that you guys don't start Stead, or I hope, man, I hate that Stead came back this weekend because that means he's going to play against us. Um, other broadcasters around the league have spoken very highly of both of Knoxville's goalies. And the reason why I'm not mentioning Jimmy Perita more is because he just hasn't played enough games to meet the criteria um, for rookie goalies to be considered. I think Jimmy and Christian both at times have played like all SPHL goalies this season, but because of their, you know, for Jimmy, he had a three-month call-up to the ECHL, and then Christian had multiple call-ups to the coast. So I, it's just a matter of numbers. Now, Christian is eligible um, but I think from a pure number standpoint is why he may not get as much consideration for the goalie of the year award. Could be possible. We'll see. But I think for the all-rookie selection, Christian really has a good shot to be the all-rookie goalie in the SPHL. For uh, other all-rookie selections, J.B. Baker, Andrew Ballant are Knoxville's highest-scoring rookies as far as forwards are, con are concerned. And then for defensemen, um, I, I don't really, it's going to depend on how much the offensive totals are going to be held up on that because then you're looking at guys like Dylan Carabia, Zach Wilkie, Dalton Young, and and where those guys stand. Kyler Matthews, from an offensive standpoint, is Knoxville's highest active scoring defenseman. But again, that hasn't really been Kyler's role this season. Uh, he does have a plus minus of a 25. So, you know, that could work in his favor. It really just depends on how voting goes when it comes to defensemen, because you're going to have some people that voted on, well, this guy's got a lot of points as a defenseman. This guy's plus minus is really high. This guy has a lot of penalty minutes and, you know, fights a lot. It is so the criteria for a defenseman can vary on how somebody is going to vote for them. But just wanted to share that with you all. That's my ballot for the all SPHL selection, the regular season awards. Again, the uh, deadline for these is Tuesday at five o'clock. So uh, while the awards may not be revealed until later in the month, these are based on regular season performance. So, it, you know, it's not going to matter if a team goes on a long postseason run or who the playoff MVP is. This is going to come down to the regular season. The voting deadline is going to be done. It's, it's actually going to be done before the end of the regular season, ironically. So the, uh, the voting deadline for this will end before we play our final two games of the regular season.
Knoxville is in Evansville on Friday to take on the Thunderbolts. They'll be home on Saturday, April 9th for RC Racing Night. Tickets are still available at KnoxvilleIceBears.com or by calling the office at 525-7825. We hope to see you at the Coliseum on Saturday. And again, check out the road game watch party at Union Place Bar and Grill on Friday night as the Ice Bears are in Evansville for their final road game of the regular season. I'm Joel Silverberg. Thank you for checking out the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast presented by Field Pass Hockey.